let's set the scene of the uh, the Bible reading that we've just had. Uh, basically, what we're looking at there is the very start of the church. Jesus Christ proved himself to be the Son of God. He was crucified, he died, and he was raised from the dead. He appeared to the disciples, and so now what you've got is a scenario where the disciples are gathered together, meeting together, uh, kind of astounded, amazed at what Jesus did, and just knowing that they've stepped into something amazing and something special, something that only God could do. And uh, and it's in this situation that we find um, the disciples, the church started to grow, and basically what happened was that uh, more and more people were added to the number. And so what they used to do, they used to bring all the goods, all the gifts together, and they would share with each other, and they would feed particularly the widows and the orphans. Now at this time, there was the Grecian and the Hebraic widows, and there was a little bit of conflict going on. The Grecians were, uh, were kind of complaining that their widows weren't receiving the correct amount of food. Well, you can imagine, as people do, complaining, falling out, and this is what happened. So the disciples, the apostles, had to come up with a plan. And their plan was to ask the church, ask the people, to select seven men to take care of this side of the ministry whilst they waited on God and looked of where, what direction do we, do we go now, Lord? They've just seen Jesus crucified, and they've just experienced him being raised from the dead. They've just been filled with the Holy Spirit. Something amazing has just happened to them, and they have to find a way through this. So obviously the place to go is the Father who caused this to happen, and that's what they did. So they go to the the people, and they select seven men. And these seven men have got to be full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, and the reason for that is they have to be able to hear what God is doing. They have to be able to hear the word of God. And the Holy Spirit is kind of like the link between God and man to enable us to hear what God is doing. And this is where they find them, um, themselves. So our scenario here actually is that we pick up the story uh, on Philip. Just, just backtracking a little bit. Why did Philip end up going to Samaria? It's because Stephen, one of these seven... Okay, he got into a bit of an argument with the Jews in the synagogue. They didn't like what he was preaching. They didn't like this new Christianity, this new religion. And so a a real uh, argument erupted, so much so that Stephen was stoned. He was stoned to death, put to death. Stephen was the first Christian martyr. And you can imagine then the people, great fear struck them. The church... They scattered. The women and the men were being, uh, were being arrested and put into prison, and the church scattered. The apostles, it says, just stayed in one place, praying and seeking God. But then we pick up the story, and as you've just heard, Anna so wonderfully read, thank you Anna, it was great that, uh, Philip. We pick up the story with Philip, who's one of these seven that have got to find the way forward and help to take care of these people. Are you with me so far? Okay, that's where we're up to. So we're now we step into the story that we've heard read. And um, we'll look at Philip. Who is Philip, first of all, he's a man. He's our first character, I guess. He's a man full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom. And um, he has a desire for uh, serving God. He has, he's a family man. He has four daughters. Each daughter happens to be a prophetess. So therefore, these ladies, these daughters of Philip... Uh, filled with the Holy Spirit and they hear God's voice which kind of like makes you think you know over the years history why women have always been kind of like put down a little when right at the start of the church God is using these young ladies to speak the word into the church and, um, and, and that's just the way God is Jesus said that we are all equal there's none any better than anyone else 
So this is Philip. He uh, he's a family man, and uh, he he goes into Samaria, and he goes into Samaria to tell the people of the good news of Jesus Christ. Now I don't know if you have heard the good news of Jesus Christ this morning. If you've ever, you might have heard it many times, but never really heard it. And so I would pray this morning that you would hear the good news of Jesus Christ this morning. Don't hear it here. I want you to hear it here, in your heart. So if you'll just pray with me for one moment. Can I ask you to pray with me? Father, you know how stubborn sometimes we can be. You know how stubborn I can be, Lord. And you know how sometimes, Lord, we can just close uh, our lives. We can just close our hearts to any sense of you wanting to speak to us. Father, sometimes fear grips us. Lord God, I pray that as we journey through this next 20 minutes or so, that, Father, you would remove all sense of fear. You would remove all barriers, all prejudices, all preconceived ideas of what we've ever heard of the gospel of Jesus Christ ever before, right up to this point now. And I ask this now in the name of Jesus Christ, who died and rose again for each one of us. Amen. Amen. So that's Philip. We have our first uh, our first character. Now Philip goes to Samaria and um, he starts to pray for people. Then what happens? We read, we heard read, paralyzed people started to walk. People were healed. Spirits, unclean spirits, left the people with shrieks. Something was happening that had never been seen before. And Philip was being used by God in that in that way. So much so that it says there was great joy in that city. So I don't know about you, but when joy comes into a place, something good happens. Would you agree? If there's a little sense of joy, if the party that you're joining or the party you go to, there's a real sense of joy and people are enjoying themselves, there's something good going on. Would you agree? That's what's happening. There's something good going on in this place, Samaria. Whilst Philip was being used by God. Let's look at our next character. Our character number two is Simon the Sorcerer, Simon the Magician. And uh, we pick up on Simon here. Bible says, this man is known as the divine power, the great power. Some people even saw him as God. Some people saw Simon as God. And the thing about Simon is, he wore the badge. He was quite happy to be known as God. He was quite pleased that people revered him, held him in high esteem, and thought he was wonderful. He loved the, adu- he loved the adulation. He loved the way that they uh, encouraged him. He loved the way they went up and asked for his autograph. Simon was a man that just really enjoyed uh, being built up and being lifted. He was number one in that area was Simon. In Samaria, at this moment of time, Simon the sorcerer was number one. But he was number one only for one reason, and that was for himself. You've heard, this, you've heard the phrase, look after number one, it means looking after yourself. Simon's quite pleased and quite happy to look after himself, look after number one. And he, he looked across and he, he could hear all the commotion in the crowd and he saw what Philip was doing and he thought, there's something going on over there, I need to know what's going on. And that's what, um, that's what Simon himself did. He went across to the people... And he could see that the people were believing, but they weren't just believing with the minds, they were believing in the heart. And not only that, they weren't just believing in the heart, they were taking the next step, they were being baptised. They were being baptised because they weren't that pleased with the life as it were at that moment in time. 
And, and the, the symbol of baptism about dying to yourself, going under the water, dying and then coming back to life in Jesus is what they were experiencing because they knew that there was something special about this God. There was something special about this gospel message where Jesus Christ died on the cross for us. And this is where... Um, the people were. This is, uh, this is what they were experiencing. But not only that, Peter and John heard about it. The disciples in the room, praying hard, while all the churches in commotion, seeking God. But they heard, and they wanted to come, and they wanted to know what was going on. So, here they came, Peter and John, and uh, they prayed on these people, and they received the Holy Spirit. They prayed on these people that had been believed, had been baptised, and now they were receiving the Holy Spirit. And the thing what Simon saw was something really special. How do we know Simon saw something special? Because he wanted to buy it. Come on now, if you want to buy something, okay, do you usually buy something that's not that good? Usually buy something that you want. And why do you want it? Because it's good, it looks good, it's important, it's special, it's something different. That's why we buy things, would you say? That's why I buy things. We buy things because there's something there that is special. And Simon, he saw that when Peter and John laid hands and the Holy Spirit came on these people, something was special. I'll spend my money on that, he thought. I want some of that. He knew that something was right. He knew that there was something good about this. So that's our two characters. And now what I want to do is just step away from that for a minute and I want to bring character number three, which you might be surprised to find is myself. So I'm your third character this morning. What about me? Who am I? Okay. I became a Christian in 1986-87. I started a business in 1986. In 1992... 1991, around that area, my business, it collapsed completely. It was worthless. Absolutely worthless. And I'd, and I'd heard stories about people being filled with the Holy Spirit and that the God can just transform a man or a woman's life. And I thought, maybe that's the way I need to go. And I remember praying and saying, Lord, <sighs> what I've got you can have, I have nothing. But you can have it. And I remember the Holy Spirit came upon me. In round about 1991, I was on my knees in the office in my factory. Something happened. I started speaking in this strange language. And there was an amazing presence of God. And that's all I can tell you what happened. But from that moment, my life changed. And God transformed what was worthless to something that has been really beneficial to the kingdom of God since in these last 17 years. What I'm trying to get across to you is that God, what he can do with me, he can do with you. Wherever you are this morning, whatever situation you're in, if you can just grasp the fact that God can fill you with his spirit, if you will open your heart and allow him to, and he can make tomorrow a better place. That is the reality of this gospel message. God can put joy back into your life like he put joy back into the town of Samaria. This morning, God can do that for you and he can do it for me. And if you leave with nothing else this morning, then I want you to remember that, that when things get really, really tough and you're really desperate and you've nowhere to go, then just say a simple prayer. God help me. A simple prayer. 
Father, can you help me? And believe in the promises of Jesus Christ because he can. God took me and he, he made me, uh, he enabled me to rebuild the business. I did the physical work, but what God did, he caused people to show favour to what we were doing. And that's what God does. He causes people to show favour to what we are doing. God causes people to show favour to the gospel message because if he didn't, we would never be saved. You or I. If God had never allowed you to have favour to see the truth of Jesus Christ, you probably wouldn't be in this room this morning and you probably wouldn't be saved. And that's the reality of it. God does that. He prepares our hearts. He enables us to find who he really is. And that's the purpose of God creating us as we, uh, as we go through this life. Really in front of you here, you've got a person that you wouldn't really like prior to me becoming a Christian. I didn't like myself. You certainly wouldn't have liked myself. Wouldn't have liked me. I was probably quite ignorant. I was probably quite rude. I wouldn't think of twice about giving anybody anything. I would look after number one. There's no doubt about it. That's where I was prior to becoming a Christian. You would not have liked me. I was obnoxious. I was foul-mouthed. I was all them. But God took all that and he changed it and he changed me into who I am today. And the amazing thing is, and I stand before you really actually, very, um, how shall I say, I feel very inadequate, even to share what God would have to say to you. Now my prayer is that if God, if God would speak to your heart through any words that I would say this morning, then that is God and it is not me. There's only Jesus that has made me the person that I am today. There's only Jesus that allows me to go to India and to give of, of what God's given me. There's only Jesus that does that. There's only Jesus that enables me to stand up here this morning and share because Jesus wants you to hear something special. He wants you to know that if you believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, if you get baptised and if you get filled with the Holy Spirit, you're on a journey of something significantly marvellous. And I want you to know that this morning. It's because of what God has done for me that I am who I am today. But not only that, we also have a dilemma because the other problem is that in life, if you're a businessman and you drive a nice car and you've got a nice house and you've got a family, etc. And everything seems to look great on the outside, only God sees what's in the inside. Only God. God looks at the inside of us. God looks at your heart. God knows you inside out, just as he knows me. And um, with that, and, and it's the same for teachers, I would think it's the same for doctors, for dentists, for lawyers, for politicians, for managers in factories, for anybody in some sort of authoritarian position, where sometimes we can think that we're a little bit more important than we really are. We can get full of our own self-importance. And if I'm honest, I guess I was getting full of my own self-importance. I started wearing the badge. And I realised that when I wore the badge, God revealed to me that, Peter, it's not about you, it's about Jesus. And it's only recently that it's come to me that I must become less and Jesus must become more. And if I'm really honest, in the past years, 17 years, there have been times when I've just looked at myself and thought I was Mr... Big, you know, I was number one. I thought I, I only was the only one that had anything interesting to say. And that's where I've been. But this morning, I want to tell you that I don't want you to see me. I'd like you to see perhaps Jesus through me. The words that maybe I share with you this morning 
could well be the words that Jesus wants to speak to you this morning. I realise that over the years that I have been guilty of that. And it's, and, and, and like I said, our doctors or politicians or anything like, or people in them authority positions, they can also fall into that same trap. And we need to pray for them. We need to pray for the salvation of these men and these women because it's so easy to wear the badge. Simon the sorcerer, he wore the badge. He wore the badge. He was number one. He thought he was number one. He, the, the people allowed him to be number one, so he wore the badge, and that's what he was interested in. That's what he was interested in. Do we enjoy being number one? This is a question. And the fact is, we do. We do. It's nice. Who likes, we all like to be liked, don't we? And we all like to be loved. And some of us like to be seen as important. And then we have to just look at that within ourselves and we have to shine the spotlight on our own hearts and our own lives. Because let me tell you something, if you were in that situation that I was in, uh, and hopefully I'm not now, but if that I was in, God has a very difficult time in using you because you get in the way. And if we're a people that wants to know God and wants God to use us, we have to put number one ourselves to one side and make Jesus number one in our lives. We can learn from Simon. He was very clever and he was no fool. They didn't call him the great power for anything. He could do magic. He could hold a crowd's attention. He knew whether to stay or not. He knew what to do. He knew what to say. He knew that you had to work hard to stay at number one. He saw something amazing that he had never been seen before and he saw it in the in the preaching of Philip and the laying out of hands and these people being healed. This is where Simon, Simon was. Let me say that what these people saw in this city, we can see today. Would you be, would you be amazed if I told you that? That what these people saw in the city that caused them to have great joy, we ourselves can see today. I don't know if you realise that. We have the ability and we are in a place where we can see people healed. We can see the paralysed walk. We can see the blind see. We can see the deaf hear. We have that. We live in that same gospel. We do. We have that same amazing God. What we need is a new outpouring of God's spirit. That's what we need. But in reality, that's not entirely true because God's Spirit is always being poured out. The Bible says continually is poured out. It's like a fountain. It never stops. It's being poured out. What we also need, we need hearts that can receive the Holy Spirit. We need hearts to receive it. Jesus is coming back. Jesus will return. The Bible tells it quite clearly. That Jesus, What kind of church does Jesus want to find? I kind of think he'd love to find one that's full of joy. And full of the Holy Spirit. And that's really in tune with what God has for, for mankind. I kind of think the type of church that Jesus would like to come back to would be one that's alive and kicking. Would you agree? One that's really alive and one that's moving. One that's vibrant. One where people are being added. One where people are being saved. One where people are being healed. Would you think that's not a bad church to be a, a part of? I think that's the church to be a part of. I think that would be a mar- marvellous church to be a part of. And that's the church that Jesus wants to come back to. So we have to ask the question, what about it, church? What about it, church? 
Is that the church we want to be? Is that where we want to take God to take us? I've got a resounding yes, that's where I want to be. And, and Lord, if, if that's possible, which I believe it is, then don't let me get in the way. Don't let me get in the way. And I want you to think of your own life and your own walk with God. Are you getting in the way of Jesus moving in a significant way? Do you find that sometimes you just might get in the way? That's an interesting question to ask. It's one that I ask myself and I know that I do get in the way. But it's one that I pray that, Lord, enable me to step aside and, Lord, you come through. You, you, you do it, Lord. You do it. Let me tell you a little bit of story because there's a lady called Suzanne and uh, uh, to cut a long story short because it could be a long story but it won't be Suzanne plants churches okay she sets up churches in Africa in India in Pakistan in Eastern Europe pretty much she's a remarkable lady and uh, she was she goes to uh, to minister to these churches and that's where we met Suzanne in India that's how we got involved with India and she was telling me that she had this, this church in Pakistan and um, she set this church. The church was doing great, but unfortunately, the radical Muslims decided to take it upon themselves to burn the church down, to beat the men, to rape the women, and to scatter the church. This happened six months ago. This is six months ago, okay? That's in today's day. Six months. So Suzanne obviously was distraught, devastated. I can remember her phoning me up and she was crying and I prayed with her. And I said, what did you do? The pastor phoned her and said to her, can you offer some words of encouragement? So she, on the phone, she, she prayed for them and she prayed for God to somehow bring some peace into their lives. And um, as she did that, she was, by the way, in Oxfordshire and these people are in Pakistan. And as she did that, the Holy Spirit came upon them and there was a calm and a peace. What she realised, and the pastor in Pakistan realised, that because Suzanne can't travel to Pakistan because she'll be shot, she um, she now has a ministry where she prays for them and preaches to them. I think it might be once a month. It might be more, it might be less, but I know that this is what she does. And three weeks ago, she was telling me that she phoned them up and she was preaching to them, the church, and then she just felt the Holy Spirit say to her, and she's in Oxfordshire, they're in Pakistan. I want to heal these people. So she told the pastor, and he's interpreting it to the, the church in Pakistan, I want to heal these people. So she said, just stand up if you like healing. So these people stood up. And then all of a sudden she prayed and the Holy Spirit came to come and fall upon them. Then the next thing she heard was screams of joy, of delight. That's all she heard on the other side, the other end of the phone. And she said, what's going on, what's going on? And apparently a paralyzed man who'd been paralyzed from birth, was brought to the front of the church and he got up and started walking. And the church just ex- erupted. It was just amazing. What we read in the, in the Bible, what Anna read for us, that happened 2,000 years ago, happened a month ago in Pakistan. What about that? What about that, Edmund? Praise God indeed. Do you know that is the amazing power of our God? And that is what God wants us to realise that that we serve an amazing God that cares for his people and the power of the Spirit. And if we would get out of the way, God can do amazing things. God can just do amazing things. Okay, so back to Simon. So he gets it wrong, doesn't he? Did you notice that? 
Simon gets it wrong. He notices something special on this Holy Spirit, but he wants to buy it. He wants to buy it because it's special. You could say he got it wrong. How often do you and I get it wrong? Have you ever wondered that? How often do our brothers and sisters get it wrong? Our family members, our friends, people, our close associates, our work colleagues. How often do they get it wrong? And yet quite often, we'll, we'll shake a stick at them. We'll try and, you know, we'll try and, uh, I don't know, try and have a go at them. We'll rebuke them. We'll do whatever we can. We'll even walk away from people because they get it wrong. I've done it myself. I'm sure maybe you've done it. Where people have just got it wrong. How often do we condemn people? Just because they made the wrong decision. Just because the temptation was too too much to bear. How often do we do it? And yet we serve a God who just restores us, who just wants us to put in, us in a new place. We can learn a very important truth this morning from Simon. A very, very important truth. And it's that, this. Remember that Simon, first of all, was a great power. He was number one. And uh, he wanted to be number one again. The reason why he wanted to buy the Holy Spirit was simply for that reason. He wanted to be number one again. He didn't want to be second fiddle. Again, how often have we felt angry where somebody maybe has just been promoted above us or somebody else kept the job and we lost ours uh, and there seems an unjust an unjustness sometimes in life. And, and if we're not careful... While we were singing Salvation Belongs to Our God, I had this vision of these shackles, these chains around us. And if we're not careful, we can shackle ourselves and we can chain ourselves to this thing, whatever it might be, this unjustness or the consequences of somebody else's sin that can just so drag us down and we can become chained to it. And unless we open our heart and say, Lord, please, Lord, pour in your love, pour in your compassion, pour in your grace... Because I need to be set free. And every one of us in this room this morning, we need to be set free from something. There is something within us that we need to be released from. And there's only the power of the Holy Spirit that can do it. The reason why we all need to be released from something is because we're all the same. And we all make mistakes. And we all do things wrong. And it's part of the fall. And it's part of the sin. And if we had never had the fall and we had never had the sin, we would never have needed Jesus Christ to die on that cross to release us, to set us free, so that we won't go to hell, but we will go to heaven. That is the gospel message of Jesus Christ. That is the gospel message of Jesus Christ this morning, people. It's where God wants to pour his spirit into your life and set you free. And that's what he wants to say to you this morning. Simon, he spotted something special. He knew that by the laying on of hands, the Holy Spirit was imparted to people and they were set free. There was joy, there was life, there was peace and there was healing. It was amazing what happened. Simon knew that the Holy Spirit is priceless. And I wonder if you know that this morning. That the Holy Spirit, you cannot buy it for no amount of money. You cannot work for it for any amount of work you would ever think or try to do. It is as simple, it's simple as this. It's a free gift, but it costs. And do you know what it costs? It costs for you to step off your throne and let Jesus step on. It costs for you to move out the way. And that's where Jesus can enter in and can fill you with his spirit. The gift is only given to those who are pure in heart. 
That's an interesting statement. You could say, well, I cannot become pure in heart. And what do you mean? It's only given to those impure in heart. You see, we worship a holy God. We worship a God where sin cannot dwell in his presence. We worship a God that is the Shekinah glory. That we could not stand in his presence, that we would fall on his face should he enter this room in any sense of power this morning. We would not be standing, we would be prostrate on the floor. We worship that sort of a God. We worship a God who couldn't allow Elijah to look at him face to face. He had to let him go so that he could only look at the back of him. Because God knows that we can't handle it. Because God knows that we are vessels, we are people that have got a, a, par, a, a space within us where God should live. And we fill, our, we fill that space with so many other things. This is the type of God we worship. God looks at our hearts. In Samuel, we read the story where Samuel had to anoint one of Jesse's eight sons to become the future king for Israel. And the prophet Samuel goes along and he goes to the first one. Handsome man, really strong, head and shoulders above everyone else. You would have thought ten times out of ten that he was the one. And God said, no, that's not the one. He goes down all the seven sons, gets to the seventh. No, that's not the one. Samuel's distraught. He thinks, well, I've come all this way. God, which one is Which son is it? Have you any more sons, Jesse? Yes, there's one. He's called David and he's looking after the sheep. Well, bring him here. So he brings David. God said, this is him, anointing. David, a young, 16-year-old young man. Weathered, ruddy expression, ruddy look on his face. Probably not dressed in the greatest of clothes. And he gets anointed by God. We would never, ever have thought of picking David, but God did. Why did God pick David and what did he see? He saw purity in his heart. He saw something special. He saw a desire that David has for God because while he's out looking after the sheep, taking care of the sheep, fighting off lions and bears and looking after these sheep, he was communing with Father God who is the creator of heaven and earth because how can you possibly stand outside on a clear night and look at the stars and say there is no God? How is that possible? That you can stand outside and look at creation on a beautiful sunny day and look at the trees and the flowers and say there is no God. The Bible says all creation cries the presence of God. How can you ever say there is no God? Look at these things. There is a God. How can you look at your brother or your sister and say there is no God? Because in every single one of us, there's beauty, and in every single one of us, there's something special. And usually, quite often, it's when the backs are to the wall. It's when we need somebody the most, and usually the people come to help us are the ones we least expect, but it's God that's in them, that causes them and moves them to stir. And I want to encourage you this morning, that whatever way you walk through them doors this morning, that you walk out different. And you have that, you have that possibility this morning. However you walked this morning through these doors, however you felt when you walked into this room this morning, you can leave this place different. You can leave this, you can leave this place with the presence of God stirring something within you. I want to tell you this morning, okay? 
particularly this group, that for each one of you on this column here, the best is yet to come. I don't know if you know that. But from your life, from now, the best, if you commit yourself to Jesus Christ and allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life, do you know something? The best is yet to come. Do you know that? And this block here, guess what? Including Marilyn and Michael upstairs. Your life, do you realise? If you commit yourself to Jesus Christ, do you realise if you open your heart and say, Lord, will you fill me with your spirit? Do you realise the best is yet to come? Do you know that? The best is yet to come. What about you over here? It's the same for you. If you would just open your heart today, this morning, and say, Father, would you fill me with your spirit? Do you know something for your life? The best is yet to come. Don't sound bad, does it? The best is yet to come. Jesus has got the best for each one of us. He's only got the best. And do you know why the best is yet to come if you do that? Because of this. In Jeremiah we read that before you were born, God knew you. Before you were born, before you were in your mother's womb, God knew you and he had a purpose for each one of you. For me as well. Before we were born. Doesn't that sound amazing? And you can only fulfill that potential that is within you before you were born if you connect to the Father who caused you to be born. Because he's the giver of life and he's also the giver of the spirit and he's also the giver of purpose and direction and love. So this morning we have an opportunity and I don't think we can possibly leave this place without at least taking a moment to contemplate, to think perhaps what God might have put on uh, on your heart and on your life this morning. I'm going to ask Daniel just to play some music. And this music is from a song which is called This Is The Air I Breathe. And um, I want you to know that this is between you and God. This isn't between anyone sat next to you. We prayed at the beginning, we broke in and prayed to bind any fear up of what someone else might think if I do this or if I do that. So we've already, we've already secured that, we've already agreed that we can do this. So why don't we do it? Why don't we step forward and do it? And what I'm going to ask you to do is simply this. As we play this and as they sing this song, if you, this morning, want to step in to the best is yet to come, I'm just simply going to ask you to stand. And you can close your eyes and you can open your heart and you can say, Father, I want some of that. You don't have to buy it. You don't, you don't need no money. If you've got your money, leave it in your pockets. You don't need it. Because God is the giver of all things and God wants to give you this morning something special. It's up to you to receive it. No pressure. It's nothing to do with me. If anything that I've said has stirred your heart this morning, and stepped you a further step down the wa- down towards the Lord, then that is marvellous, but it's not me. It is Jesus. So, don't be intimidated by anyone. We'll just do this song. I'll pray for us all at the end. And then we'll close our meeting. But it's not possible to move from this point in time, on this day, 
and step into the opportunity that we have of going that little bit further with Jesus.